Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca. We hope you enjoy today's message. We have special guests today, and um, they were with us yesterday. We had what we call a RE3 weekend for, for um, uh, leaders and volunteers, and it was a great, I think it was the best one we've had. Well, we only had two, but it, it was the best out of two. So it was a great weekend. Honestly, I think it was a very pivotal weekend. And uh, so we have uh, Pastor Dave and Linda Wells from uh, Regina with us. And, you know, Val and I have known Dave and Linda for many years now and have had the wonderful privilege uh, to walk with them. We consider them spiritual parents. Uh, in fact, we, we, we love walking in ministry with them, but we we just love them as people. So even if we weren't in ministry, we'd, we'd want to know them. But they are just amazing leaders. They um, uh, led Harvest City Church in Regina for, for years and then turned it over uh, a number of years ago to their son, Joel and Angela Wells. And uh, they continue to minister there. They continue to serve there. And, and also, um, Dave uh, has been the leader of uh, LifeLinks International Fellowship. That's the network that we are part of. Uh, since 2004, he's been the leader, um, and uh, uh, this year, actually, this is something we announced earlier, that I'm co-leading with Dave, the network, and uh, in a transition of leadership, and so we talked about that a bit yesterday in our meeting, and, and actually, there'll be an opportunity in our family meeting, uh, if there's other questions from others regarding that transition and all that, you, you can ask that later, but uh, anyway, this is an amazing couple, is all I'm saying, and uh, we're really, really privileged to have them here today. So I want to ask you to give it up in a big way for Dave and Linda Wells. Give them a big clap. And I'll invite them both to come up because Linda has something to share as well. You know, it's true what Linda said about us, you know, me being sober. That's her favorite verse for me. She's got two verses for me. The first one is get working. And uh, one time we were, uh, one time we were driving on the highway and, um, you know, we, I, we, we need to stop to the washroom. I didn't need gas or anything, so we stopped at this gas station. Linda's the kind of person that she doesn't think she should use the washroom unless she buys something or anybody. I don't know if there's a few other people here like that, but Linda's like that. So I sit in the car. She runs in to go to the washroom, and uh, she comes out, and she says, here, I bought something for you because she knows, I knew she had to buy something. And, you know, normally, you know, you'd say, well, buy me a chocolate bar or something or a drink, but she said, here, I bought something to you. She threw me this package, and it was a pair of work gloves. And uh, how many wives would go to a gas station, go to the bathroom, and buy their husband work gloves, right? <clears throat> so that's Linda, right? And uh, so then her second one is the one she mentioned, be sober, because uh, I like to horse around. But she makes it easy to horse around. Like even this morning, um, just to give you an example, Linda's a bit naive about things. So she's really easy to tease. And so Ian's looking out the window of the house, and he says, it looks like a penguin out there. So I went to the window and looked out, and sure enough, it was a penguin. I said, yeah, it is a penguin. Then it says, what? A penguin jumped out, ran to the window. It was a plug-in penguin. It was the guy's next door Christmas light thing. But she was sure for a minute that a penguin in Calgary running around the neighborhood. Uh, so it's pretty hard not to, uh, not to have fun with her. Amen? So anyhow, that was for free. Here we go. Um, you know, you've been talking about a community, and you've had a time of a prayer and fasting, and I just want to take a few minutes here this morning. You know, one of the types of communities we want to be is we want to be a transformational community, amen? In other words, we want to be a community that impacts people's lives for Christ, that sees lives transformed, agreed? Yes. 
And so we want to do that. And, and the, a transformational community is a community that lives and preaches the gospel. And we need to live the gospel. We need to preach the gospel. That's what Jesus commanded us to do. And, and uh, he, he said, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you into the whole world. In Mark's gospel, the very last uh, uh, verses of Mark's gospel, Mark 16, he said, he said unto them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. He who is believed and has been baptized shall be saved. He who is disbelieved shall be condemned. These signs will accompany those who have believed in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And they, if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then when the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word by the signs that followed. And so one of the aspects of the gospel is the power to heal and to deliver. I believe that. Do you believe that? I just believe that that's part of the gospel. And, and, it, and it's really, a, uh, when we're preaching the gospel, it, we're preaching a revelation of Jesus as the Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Lord over everything. And, and, I, and I believe that. And, and Jesus, when he said to the disciples, just before he sent into heaven, he said, he said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, even the remotest part of the earth. It's amazing how much the Bible has to say about power, and we tend to read over it. And uh, the, whole, whole, the whole purpose of them staying in Jerusalem and being baptized in the Holy Spirit was for power, so that they could be witnesses and declare uh, fully the gospel of Jesus Christ. That hasn't changed, folks. And here we are 2,000-plus years later. It's still the same mandate, and we're, we're, still, uh, we're still commanded, actually, to, to, to be, be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, Paul, Paul spoke about power a lot. He said in his, in his epistle to the Romans, he said in Romans 15, Therefore, in Christ Jesus, I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God, for I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed, in the power of signs and wonders, in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and round about as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Amen? Fully preached. And fully preaching the gospel includes the power of signs and wonders. It just, it just does. And, and it's interesting that the church at Corinth is a church that Paul started. He planted that church. And um, that church gave him a lot of grief, actually. It, it, was, a, it was a big church. Uh, historians believe that it could have been as big as 10,000 people uh, in this church. And so it was a major church in the first century. And, but this church got, they were, they were, became a very powerful church. And in fact, at different times, Paul would say, you, you come behind to no gift. I mean, they were gifted. They had great preaching. Uh, and so, but they began to be critical of Paul. And they began, and when you read the letters, you realize they were criticizing him. They, they thought he was a poor preacher. Uh, they thought he was ugly. Um, they didn't like his appearance. They didn't like his preaching. Uh, and Paul probably wasn't the greatest preacher in the world. People fell, out, fell asleep and fell out of windows uh, when he preached, amen? But he had power, amen, because he could raise him from the dead. And then he had no, no clock, no time limit. He just preached all night long, right? And, and uh, so he wasn't the greatest preacher, and he wasn't the most handsome guy. But, but Paul writes them back a letter, and he says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he says this, he said, But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I shall find out not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, 
but in power. So here's Paul. He's writing a letter to him. He says, you know what, guys? I'm going to visit you. You've been criticizing me. And, uh, but, you know, he says, I have, maybe I'm not an apostle to others, but I am an apostle to you. And I'm your father, and I planted you. I, I'm paraphrasing here. And I started you, and I'm going to find out. You guys are pretty arrogant here, and you got a lot of great things to say. But I'm going to come and see you, and I'm going to see how much power you really have in this church. How about that? How would you like to have a visitation like that? Say, so how much, you know, you guys may know a lot of stuff, and you've been Christians for a long time, and let's see how much power you got. And that's what he's, that's what his... He's saying to this church. And, and, uh, and so we're committed to the word and we're committed to truth. But our, how hungry are we for the power of God? You know, talking about Jesus, um, you know, we need to understand that there's a difference between authority and power. In, in Luke 4.36, says, amazement came upon them all, began talking with one another, saying, what is this message? For with authority and power... He commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And in Luke 9.1, he calls the 12. So he called the 12 together. He gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. Um, you know, Jesus gives his authority to us. Do you believe that? In, in Ephesians, and I'm just going quickly here because I, I, I have a time limit here, and I want to share at the end a, a few stories that I think would encourage you. Um, so I'm just going to kind of race through this a little bit. And you know this anyhow, amen? But Jesus gives us his authority. Say, how do you know that? Because we're seated with him in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father, amen? Positionally, we're seated with him right now. Even though you're sitting in that chair here this morning, you are positionally seated at the right hand of the Father, which is a place of authority. And we have that authority. You have it right now. Uh, that's, that's a given. But what's not given is power, right? Because power... Yes, you have authority by your position in Christ. But the amount of power that you and I uh, see flowing through our ministry and through our lives is dependent upon your life posture. Not your life position, but your life posture. So it's a variable. And that's why Paul said to the church at Corinth, oh, you guys think you're pretty arrogant, eh? You think you're pretty hot stuff? I'm going to go find out how much power you got. In other words, let's see how much, uh, I'm going to check out your life posture. And so what are some things, and I'm just going to mention these things because I mean, we could preach on every one of them, um, but what are some things that are involved in my life posture as a believer? And the first one is we need to be under authority. We need to be under authority. Um, Jesus Christ was fully God, but he's also fully man, and when he ministered on this earth, he didn't minister as God, he ministered as as a man, he ministered dependent upon the Holy Spirit. The whole running battle that he had with Satan through the Gospels is that Satan kept tempting him to use his power as the Son of God, and he wouldn't. I mean, the whole idea of commanding stones to be made into bread and leaping off temples so the angels could catch him, he wouldn't do it. He Could he have done it? Absolutely he could have done it. But the whole temptation of Satan all the way along with Jesus was use your power as the Son of God. Use your power independently. And he would never do it. He, even when Jesus is dying on the cross, he's, Satan's uh, inspiring the crowd. Hey, if you're really the son of God, let's see you come off that cross. Could he have? Yes, he could have. He didn't. He wouldn't. Because he lived under the authority of the Father. And he only did what he saw the Father doing and what he heard the Father saying. He was dependent upon the power of the Holy Spirit, just like you and I are. 
And that's why he said this in John's gospel, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. He said, he said, I have many things to speak and judge concerning you, but you sent me is true, and the things which I heard from him, these things I speak to the world. So Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. And many times we lament and we say, well, man, how come we don't see more power? How come we don't see God doing more things? I think one of the problems that we have is, is our life posture. And we are not under his authority. We too much want to run on our own authority. And we want God to bless what we do and what we initiate. But when you look at, when you really study the life of Jesus, he didn't initiate. He simply responded to what the Father was initiating. And you see the very same thing in the book of Acts. When the church went forward, you see the same kind of dependence and God doing sovereign things. The second thing is that I think has to do with life posture is engaging in the spiritual disciplines. You've just finished a time of fasting. That's part of, of the spiritual disciplines. I want to commend you for that. But there are, of course, other disciplines like reading the Bible and coming here this morning. Coming here and, and as a corporate gathering is one of the spiritual disciplines. Where so do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And so here we are. We're assembled together. It's one of those disciplines. Some of you probably felt like, I don't feel like going this morning. Uh, I commend Ann, who came an hour and a half to get here. You know, I mean, praise God for that kind of dedication uh, of wanting to be here. That's part of the spiritual discipline. Discipline means it's an act of your will. It's hard. In fact, the interesting thing, the word for discipleship and the word for discipline is the same word. And, and uh, so what disciplines will help me be faithful for my choice to be a disciple? And, and, those, and one of the definitions of discipline, which I really like, is this. Discipline means the effort to create some space in which God can act. Amen? The effort to create space for God to act. One of our problems in this society is we're just too busy. And our lives are filled up with entertainment, with work, with whatever, amen, chasing our kids around, um, sporting events, whatever. We can just fill our life to the max, and there's no room for God to act, amen, no space. And so when I spend time in the Word or I spend time in prayer or fasting and withdraw, then God, I give God room for Him to move the way He wants to move. But in many of our churches and many of our personal lives, we don't give God any room. Come on, let's be honest about that. Amen? And then we get frustrated. Hey, why don't we see God doing more? Well, we're too busy. We can't even hear Him. Right? And so that's what it means. When you look and scan the Scriptures and you look at the, 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 ma the main characters of the Bible who God really sovereignly used, whether it be Moses or Daniel or any of these guys, who Paul, they all created space in their lives. They were very busy people. I mean, Moses had a pretty big church, you know, three to six million people out there in the bush. Amen? And, uh, and uh, Daniel was uh, running Babylon. Daniel was high up in government. He was a busy guy, and yet three times a day, he would open the windows of his bedroom and face Jerusalem and pray and call on God. Did Daniel have power? Oh, yeah. Uh, they thought they were going to kill him and throw him in the lion's den. Guess what? It didn't quite work out that way. Amen? They were messing with the wrong guy. 
And so when you look at these, there's no coincidence with that church. And so spiritual disciplines are a way of sowing to the Spirit, and it creates space in our lives for God to act. Now, one of the interesting things about Jesus is that, you know, um, let, let me just read this scripture for you. He goes up, he, he, in, in Matthew's gospel, uh, sorry, Luke's gospel in chapter 6, he, he goes up, Jesus goes up in the mountain, he prays, and then after he comes down, he, he picks his 12 disciples. Then after that, he comes down from the mountain, and he says he came, then he came down with them, with his 12, and he stopped at a piece of level ground where there was a large gathering of his disciples, and there was a great crowd of people from all parts of Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal regions of Tyre and Sidon who had come to hear him and be cured of their diseases. Now listen carefully how the Bible describes this. And people tormented by unclean spirits were also cured. Everyone in the crowd was trying to touch him because power came out of him that cured them all. What is really, the picture you get is Jesus kind of walking through the crowd. Is he trying to heal them? Nope. Is he laying hands and praying for everybody? Nope. He's walking around. People are touching him. Power is coming from him. It's like radiation. And whoever got anywhere near it was delivered or healed. Amen? We don't understand how many times how God's power actually works. Many times when we're trying to pray for the sick or cast out devils, we're striving. We're straining. We're trying to pray our best prayer. We're going to talk louder. We're going to speak in tongues. We're going to give them the charismatic massage. We're going to jerk their head back and forth. We're going to try and push them down. What are we thinking? Can I tell you something? You have no power. Zero. And neither do I. I have to be connected to the one who does. And when his power is released, it's sovereign. His power starts, it just, it just starts take, things start happening. Amen? <clears throat> Community is one of the life postures that we need to have in order to move in power. Did you know that? Community is not easy. Here's a definition of community. Community is the place where the person you least want to live with always lives. Is that true? Absolutely. Why does that person have to be in my church? I don't like that person. Why does that guy have to be in my house church? Ugh! Amen? It just seems to work out that way. Uh, you know, um, forgiveness and celebration are two of the key areas of, of making up community. And, and whether that be marriage or friendship or church or whatever. You know, what is, what is the definition of forgiveness? Here's the definition for you. Forgiveness is to allow the other person not to be God. You know what? We have expectations of people. We think that person should love me unconditionally. That's an impossible expectation. They're not God. Only God can love you unconditionally. You're not that lovable for the rest of us. Amen? <laughs> we have to work at it a little bit. Give us some space. We're not God. Forgive us. Amen? So forgiveness is giving the other person permission not to be God. Nobody can live under those expectations. And we need to understand that if we're going to really have community. Amen? Like, come on. Don't want your feelings on your sleeve. Unity is a huge issue in releasing God's power. 
I mean, Psalm 133, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard coming down upon the edge of his robes, like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord command the blessing, life forever. Listen, what you have is the anointing oil pouring down, down the priests. Who are the priests of God today? We are. Amen? We are the priests of God. The anointing oil, we should be saturated in oil. And it has a bearing on the power of God being released through our lives and through our ministries. You know, Ephesians, Paul says, he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies. Listen, living, being a part of a local church and being in connection with your brothers and sisters in Christ is critical if you want what God supplies. On your own, forget it. You don't have any power to blow the fuzz off a peach. Sorry. You don't. I don't believe that. <clears throat> we need to be fitly framed together. And then the last thing I want to say with you is remember, it's not you, but God's power. Right? Can I tell you something about ministry? Sometimes, oh man, you know, I got to learn how to do the ministry. I got to go to Bible school, and I'm not against Bible schools. I go to the Bible school, they're going to teach me how to do the ministry. I got to learn how to pray the prayer of faith. I got to learn how to lay hands on the sick. I need to learn how to preach. Uh, can I tell you something about real ministry? It's not something you do, it's something you trust. You say, what do you mean by that? Jesus didn't cure people by doing a whole bunch of complicated things. He just was who he was and is. And power came from him, and people got healed. <clears throat> and there were times, it says, the massive crowds, and it says, all who were sick were healed. Remember reading that? Does that mean that Jesus was running through the crowd, laying hands on every person out there? Can you imagine the logistics of that? That didn't happen. Let me tell you, power came and started healing the sick. and started casting out devils who were being free. You say, Dave, have you ever seen that? I have, actually. I want to share those stories with you right now. See, I have to, ministry is more about trust than praying my best prayer. Ministry is about me coming and saying, you know what? I'm going to be here this morning. I'm going to trust you, God, that you're going to do something here. You're going to touch some lives here this morning. That somehow through some word that I say or share, or maybe you want to just do some sovereign things, and that you're just going to do stuff. I trust you, Lord, that you're going to minister here today. Not me, you by your power. Amen? That's what I have come to understand. You know, one time um, where I, a couple of years ago, I was in Poland. And, uh, and so uh, we, were, we were, doing, I was doing a conference there with a couple of other guys, and uh, then at the very end, we decided that we would just have time in ministry. And there was just an unusual sense of the presence of God in this, in this conference. And so uh, in Poland, if we get, like, say, if we gave an altar call here, 
And those of you that wanted to be prayed for, you'd all get up at once and come to the front, and we'd try to figure out who we prayed for and who we haven't. But in Poland, they're more respectful than that. They don't do that. They would sit just like you. Give an altar call, and they'd be sitting just like you and say, hey, nobody's responding. No, no, that's not the way they do it. They take turns. One at a time, they will come down, and you minister to them. It takes forever, but that's what they do. Amen? <laughs> so so um, there were three of us there, a couple guys from the U.K. and then myself. And I was uh, standing... Uh, we were kind of across the front. There was two aisles like this, and I was standing over here by, by the aisle, and uh, people were just getting it one at a time, coming down. We were ministering to them. And so at the back of the room, this woman was in the middle row, and she stood up, and she made her way to the aisle uh, painfully, and when she got to the aisle, she burst out into laughter, like just roaring with laughter. Everybody was shocked, including me, and I'm thinking, whoa, what's happening to her? And so she's just roaring with laughter, and she's, then she's coming down the aisle towards me, laughing her head off. It is raining. And, and, uh, and so, um, so then she gets in front of me, and so I had an interpreter. She didn't speak English, so I said to my interpreter, ask her why she's laughing. And so he does, and she says, well, she said, I have a really bad leg and bad knee, which has really crippled me for years. And she said, I stood up, and when I made my way to the aisle, the power of God hit me, and I was instantly healed. And that's why I burst out into laughter. Amen? And then she said to me, I don't need you to pray for me. And she turned around, walked back, and sat down. Amen? <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Had nothing to do with me. I was just watching it. Amen? Just watching it. Uh, in, the, in this, um, uh, the year before, I had been in Poland, and I don't even remember doing it. When I, when I came back that time, this guy came up to me. He says, thank you, thank you, Dave. You gave me such a breakthrough last year when you gave me that $20 bill. I didn't remember even doing it. I said, what are you talking about? I didn't even recognize him. Yeah, yeah, don't you remember? You just called me up, and you gave me $20, 20 U.S. dollars. You just gave it to me. He said, he said let, me, let me tell you what happened. He says, when you, he says, I didn't have a job, I was broke, I was destitute. When you handed me that $20, he said, I just took it and I just believe, God, this is the beginning of my breakthrough. He says, I want to tell you in this last year, I've got a great job, all my debts are paid, I'm prospering financially, and he just kind of gave me a big hug and was crying, went back, sat on. I don't remember giving the guy $20. What was that? It's the power of God. Amen? Wasn't my great prayers? I didn't remember the guy. It was just somehow in the middle of it, I, I think I was still preaching. I think I just gave the guy $20. So I felt prompted by the Spirit to give him 20 bucks, and it was a major breakthrough for him. You know, um, last year, one of the things that we're doing is um, uh, in out of Harvest City Church, we're doing crusades in Africa. And um, last year, we were in, in September, not, 20, not 2018, 2017, uh, we were in a place called Rukinjiri which is near the border with the Congo. And uh, the, that whole area is just riddled with witchcraft. I mean, I've never seen more people involved in witchcraft than I did in that area. And we were kind of out, we were eight hours uh, southwest from the capital city from, from, uh, from um, um, Block, Kapala. And uh, so we went out there, and uh, the very first, and so the, Linda and I were late getting out there. The team was ahead of us because they'd been ministering in other, some other places before we got there. So we joined them at Rook and Jerry. 
And uh, so when we got there, we went to the field where the, where the uh, crusade was going to be held, and our big stage was there, and the lights, and, and the speakers. And uh, we were there, and as we were sitting there and kind of looking things over and talking to some of the leaders, uh, they had this woman there who was bound hand and foot. She, she was, had ropes around her feet and ropes around uh, her, her hands, and they, she hopped. They led her hopping over to a post in the middle of the field, and they tied her to a post in the middle of the field, and they just left her there. Uh, and I'm looking at this woman, and I know why she's tied up. She's so demonized that they've got to tie her up to control her, and they've got her tied to the post. And while I'm looking at her, I just felt, I just felt the enemy speaking to my, in my mind saying, see that woman? I'm in control here. I'm in charge here. Nothing's going to happen here. Amen? And I just thought, we are in for a real battle here. And so that night, the crusade started, and uh, we had a huge crowd. Thousands of people were there. And uh, Joel was preaching his heart out, and he gave an altar call for salvation. And it, that, that part was fantastic. We had hundreds and hundreds of people flocking to the aisles to the front to get saved. And we had, our, we had a team there from Canada, and then we also had a team uh, from Africa there. We were a joint we were party, about maybe 20 of us all together, and the ministry team. And, uh, and so uh, then we moved off the people who were... Who were um, who were for salvation, and then we gave a call for the sick and for those who were demonized to come forward. And there was lots of people that we saw them coming. They came on stretchers. They came on crutches. There was, you know, there was all kinds of people that were coming to this thing. There was tons of needs. And uh, we gave an altar call, and Joel prayed, and we prayed, and nothing happened. I mean, nothing. It just seemed like we didn't see anything happen. And it was just like the enemy was just bombarding our minds of thought. We, we're, what a failure. I mean, we have, yeah, thank God for all these people that got saved, but what a, you know, we didn't, all these people are going home the way they came. And, and uh, Joel came off the platform. I was standing at the, on the ground, and Joel came off the platform, and his first words out of his mouth were, Dad, Dad, nothing happened. I'm just so discouraged. And I, and I was feeling the very same thing. I had those, my same, my mind was being bombarded, like in machine gun fashion, like, like nothing's happening. You have no power. But then I, I clued in. I thought, Joel, you know what? we got to stop this. we got to take control of our minds. We're being attacked in our minds right now. We need to not give in to this and not buy into this. Well, we got on the bus, our team bus, which we had about a half-hour drive to where we were staying that night. We got on our team bus. Linda and I were on the bus. Linda was crying all the way to where we were staying on the bus that night. She said, Dave, Dave, all these people came with all these needs, and we didn't see anything happen, and it's terrible. And so she cried half the night. Next morning, we got up as a team. We came together. We started calling on God, started praying, interceding. The next night, that second night, it was a whole different ball game. We started seeing God move in incredible power. But what was really interesting was God was just sovereignly healing and delivering people. And we, uh, it, we almost felt like after a while, we began to realize, you know, it doesn't really matter. I said to our team, because there was thousands of people at the front, and you to try and, who do you minister to? So I said, team, here's what we need to do. God's moving. His power is moving. All you have to do is, don't even worry about what, what their need is, because most of them didn't speak English. Uh, don't even worry about what their need is. Just walk, push through the crowd, touch as many people as possible, pray in tongues, and let's see that God be God. And we saw amazing things happening. Amen? God was just moving by His power. One, one, uh, one of the things that was happening during the day, I was doing a pastor's conference, or supposed to have been a pastor's conference, but actually it didn't turn out to be a pastor's conference because we had 3,000, 2,500 to 3,000 people 
coming that were registered, and it became obvious they weren't all pastors because the very first day we got a bunch of people saved. And so I thought, well, I don't think these are all pastors. Amen. But one, one day, I was on a Friday, actually, uh, some of the local leaders came to me and said, Dave, would you preach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit today to this group? And I said, okay. And so I preached for about 20 minutes on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I thought, how are we going to do this? We got anywhere from 2,500 to 3,000 people here. There's 10 of us, so how are we going to, we're not going to pray for these people individually, so let's pray an en masse prayer. And then we struck again, said to our team, then we'll just walk through the crowd and just minister to as many people as we can. Well, when we prayed the en masse prayer, it was like an explosion took place. Every demonized person fell on the ground and was foaming at the mouth, like boom. And the rest of the people were bursting out in tongues. It was just like boom. It, it took my breath away to see the sovereign power of God moving through that crowd. We had one couple and our, and our team who are pretty new to our church and pretty new to this, they were, so, they were so spooked by this, they actually went and ran and hit on the bus. I mean, it was just like, bam. And uh, when you started praying for people, the people were being instantly delivered. And, and people were being healed. Well, they, because the crowd was big, so big and people were in danger of being trampled, the demonized people that were thrashing around, they dragged, they picked, were picking them up and dragged them to the front and just flopping them down at the front. So after a while, this whole front area, and it was much bigger than this, was just full of writhing bodies, all demonized. And my, I had my granddaughter there, the first time she'd ever been to Africa. She's 20 years old, and I took her there as a grad present, and she was sitting on the front row, and I'd already gone once through the crowd and back, and I came and sat beside her, and her eyes are as big as saucers, and she's watching all this going on up here. And she said, Papa, Papa, they're all foaming at the mouth. They're all foaming at the mouth. I said, yes, sweetheart, but just keep watching. They're all being delivered. Just watch. And we sat there, and we never prayed for one of them, and they would thrash around, foam at the mouth, and then they would cough, like just like, <coughs> and they were free. And they'd stand to their feet. And stand on their feet. I said, just watch. They're all being delivered right now. Boom, 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 boom. We were watching God do it. Amen? What is that? That's called the power of God. Amen? We couldn't take credit for that. <laughs> we were, you just felt like I'm, in the, I felt like I'm in a movie theater sitting in a chair like you are watching God move. Amen? And we saw, we saw deaf and dumb people speaking and hearing. We saw lame people walking. Uh, we had one woman that they brought on a stretcher who was in her 90s who got up off that stretcher, and for the rest of the crusade, she walked back and forth every night to the crusade. We just saw amazing things happen. We had a, one of our worship guys who had never been there before. Um, he's, he's one of our worship leaders. He prayed for this guy who was deaf and dumb, and he, boom, he instantly started speaking and hearing. And so we were, what we were doing is we were bringing some of the more dramatic uh, healings that we saw. We were bringing them up on the platform, having them testify. And so uh, we brought this, and we had one of our African pastors that was interviewing these guys to make sure it was really bona fide. So he interviewed this guy, and he's saying, well, speak after me. And he, he could repeat after him whatever he said. And he thought, he's speaking too good for somebody who was deaf and dumb. So we were, he was had doubt. So he brought the guy to the front of the stage, and the, there's thousands of people out there. And he says, hey, crowd, anybody know this guy? whole bunch of hands went up. Yeah, they shouted at us. Yeah, we know this guy. And so Alex, who was our pastor, he said, is he really deaf and dumb? They said, yes, we have never heard him speak before. 
And so then not, we weren't satisfied with that. So then he, we picked one guy, Alex picked one guy out of the crowd who had had his hand up, said, you, come on up here. Got him up on the platform. He says, you know this guy? Yeah, I do. He said, who is he? He says, he's a homeless man. He lives on the streets of Rukinjiri. He cleans mud off people's boots and he hauls water for women. That's what he does. He said, we've known him for years. He said, you ever heard him speak before? Never heard him speak before. Amen? And so it was that kind of stuff, church, that was going on. You know, last, um, last June, we were, in a, we were doing another crusade in a place called Sarodi, which is on the opposite end of the country. We were up near Kenya on the northeastern uh, part of the, Ken- of the, of the, of the uh, country, and um, we started getting testimonies from people who were living hundreds and hundreds of miles away who weren't even at the crusade. Testimonies of healing started coming. We thought, how can this be? What's happening? And then we started realizing, then we found out what was going on. When we were praying for the sick, when Joel was on the platform praying for the sick, people were holding up their cell phones, phoning their sick relatives and holding up their cell phones, and people were hearing on the phone and being healed hundreds of miles away. It was like the electronic version of sending out prayer claws. Amen? Church, that's the power of God. Amen? That's what Paul's talking about. That's the gospel. And so... What we need to do is, I'm realizing that I need to just trust that ministry is going to happen. It's not about me. It's not about my anointing or, hey, are you Dave? Oh, Dave Wells, you're the guy that prays. No, no, it's not about that, church. It's about the fact is, I'm going to, I'm going to minister, and I'm going to trust that ministry is going to happen. I'm not the one doing the ministry. Holy Spirit is. Amen? That's what happened. In the, you go read the scripture. That's what was going on with Jesus. Go read them carefully. Power came from him. You know, I said in another place about Jesus, uh, he realized that power was present to heal. And so people started getting healed, which implies this. It wasn't always present. It wasn't always present. There were times when power came from Jesus and people got healed, and there were times when it didn't. Why? Because it wasn't dependent on him. It was dependent on what the Father was doing and dependent upon the Holy Spirit. We tend to think, hey, I'm a Christian, I have my fistful of promises, I speak in tongues, bring me the sick and I'll heal them all. No, you won't. And it doesn't happen that way, does it? Right? I say, how do you know that? I've tried it. It doesn't work. But I'll tell you what does work, when God decides to move. That's what works. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, I want to exalt you and praise you uh, this morning. And Lord, help us, Lord to really be serious about our life posture. God, we, we know that we're seated at your right hand, the place of authority. But God, we need power. And Lord, we need to see more of your power in Canada, not just in other parts of the world, but in Canada and in Poland and in Africa and in Asia and the outermost parts of the world, in Calgary, in Regina, We need to see more of just your sovereign moving by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, you command us to be filled with the Spirit, to be continually filled. And Lord, I pray that you would put within us a hunger to really hunger for your power, a hunger to see lives transformed and changed, people coming to Christ, people saved, people delivered, people sick healed as a testimony and a witness that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lord, I just pray you'd help us, Lord, to be more dependent upon you. Lord, to be more submissive to the Holy Spirit. I pray you'd help us, Lord,
to be able to humble ourselves and function on a higher level in community. I pray, Lord, you give us a hunger, Lord, to create some space for you to act in our lives and in our church. Pray you'd help us in those regards, Lord. And Lord, help us to have faith, to trust, to just trust that ministry is going to happen, that you're just going to do stuff in people's lives. And so, Lord, we just pray for breakthroughs. Lord, I pray you'd minister to these people right now. Lord, you know every person here. You know them inside and out. You know what their needs are. You know what their issues are. God, would you just minister? Would you just minister here this morning in Jesus' name? And God, we want to magnify and exalt you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca.